Hey all you listeners, welcome to The Wonder of It All Season 3, your host, my dad, Ben Brewster. Come on, Pops. Hey there, we are back with a guest from Season 1, Howie Brownell, a uh, local marriage and family therapist here in the uh, Northwest Louisiana area, shreveport Bossier, to be precise. And last time Howie was here, he shared with us um, some great uh, practical uh, advice um, and counsel about relationships. Uh, today, we're going to go in a much different direction because on September 25th of 2020, uh, Howie was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and he's agreed to come today and, and share with us uh, his experience. So for anybody out there who is wondering what that experience is like, or for particularly men who are listening who who put off doing their annual PSA screening. Um, Howie's got some some good good words, but he's also got some personal experience uh, that he's going to share. He's he's in radiation now. He's got about five more treatments left. He is doing great. I know you can't see him, but I'm looking at him, and he looks like he's doing great. So, Howie, thank you so much for being here today. And as we get into it, um, let's go back to the beginning. Um, were you going to just a regular exam or how did all this come about? Well, I'm one of those people that uh, I observed my dad for years, uh, push himself to his limit beyond and, and get real sick. So I've always been one of those people that believes in preventative medicine. I believe in an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I firmly believe in that phrase. And, uh, and, and so um, I, I go every year for a wellness check. They check PSA. Well, because of uh, not long ago, I found out that my dad and his namesake, his dad, have had prostate trouble. In fact, uh, our namesake had prostate cancer when he was in his 80s or 90s. Uh, and so probably about four years ago, I started seeing a urologist in addition to my annual wellness check about one or two times a year. And he keeps a check every, uh, you know, you have to to give a urine sample and and they and, and they, they take blood samples and they check your PSA and check. And, and so probably uh, last summer he came to me and he said, you know, he said probably about August. He said, you know, your PSA level is not high because they, they look at the height, but they also look is it it's, it was trending upward. He said something's wrong with your prostate. He said, we don't know what it is, but he said the best way to do to find out what it is, is to have a biopsy. Well, I didn't know what a prostate biopsy involved. I mean, I know what a biopsy is involving taking some uh, cell samples. Mm -hmm. Well, a man's prostate, I found out, is divided into 14 quadrants and they take samples. Uh, it's an invasive procedure. They take samples. They, they put you under propofol and take samples from each four of the 14 quadrants and send them to a lab who analyzes them. Is this like a needle biopsy? Yes, okay. it's 14 needles. So it's a very invasive procedure. Very invasive. Okay. Uh, you bleed and all that for a little bit after, but they 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 tell you what to do. They're very good. Uh, and and they're, they're, my doctor was very good at letting me know what to expect because that would have been a very traumatic experience if I hadn't known what to expect. And um, But it's necessary. And, and uh, so... They took those samples and about probably they actually did this, the biopsy on the 17th of September, but they got, he called me and Robin in my wife, the, uh, 
that on the 25th and said, uh, had my results there. And, you know, um, and actually I may have been by myself on that one. I don't remember, but anyway, that was a very, um, I'll tell you, that was a very, uh, traumatic experience to find out, you know, I'd always thought, I'd always heard that, you know, dad had prostate trouble. And as a younger man, I didn't think much about it. Oh, that prostate's like breast cancer. It's one of those easier treatable cancers, no big deal. And, but when you hear the word cancer, you hear the C word in relation to your own life. I don't know how other people would experience it, but I, I understand that a lot better now. That was very traumatic. It scared me. I was wondering about that, Howie, because yes. um, it's one thing to talk about it happening to somebody else, mm -hmm. but your doctor's mm -hmm. looking right at you, mm -hmm. and he uses the word cancer, mm -hmm. and he's talking about you. Yes, and it didn't hit me till I got out in my truck after he told me on the 25th of September. Uh, I got in my truck, and I just sat there for a minute and let myself soak it in, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like I started crying because I thought, oh, my God, I could die. And I, and I thought, I don't want to die. I'm not ready to die. I'm only 51 years old. Uh, I don't, I'm, I don't feel old. I'm not old. Uh, that's still, I still, I still, and my doctor had even said, you got a lot of life left to live. And he said, so he said, I want you to think about some options. So he, uh, there were two options that were mainly, or three. One was active uh, monitoring. And one was remove complete a prostatectomy, which is a complete removal of the prostate. Uh, and that one was very invasive and very, oh, wow, no, the side effects of that one. I was like, nope, rule that one out immediately. Well, when I saw the oncologist, when Robin and I saw the oncologist, the, there's three oncologists that work with me, and Dr. Johnson, Dr. Albritton, and Dr. Maida. And I love them all, and they're good people, and they're good. But Dr. Johnson said, oh, we can just actively monitor it. You'll be okay. And I went back to my doctor after seeing them, and my doctor, Dr. Klein, Kevin Klein, he said, he said, well, he said, if you were 70 and had what you have now, he said, we would just monitor it. Because he said, a lot of times at 70, something else will get you before that does. But he said, you're young enough, and you're going to live long enough. The odds are you'll live 25 to 30 more years. He said, in the next 10 to 15 years, you're going to have to deal with this. It's going it, to, by that time, it will become a problem. He said, where you're at today, he said, I mean, it's barely on the radar. He said, that's how early we caught it. We knew something was wrong, but he said, I'm I think that radiation would be the best route. He said, you have to decide, but he said, radiation can get it. And the way we treat it next door and they, the machine, uh, see, uh, uh, juniors, burned they had a, some people would have a, in the early way have a would have a burn you're mark. talking about a common friend junior yes. hollis who yes. went through the same exactly thing. thank you ben uh but a burn mark because the beam one beam went through one spot in the skin well this machine doesn't work that way it goes around it doesn't it does one point from 360 degrees and so i've never had I, i'm almost done and that's i'll have 44 treatments no burns, no irritation on the skin. Um, How often do you have the treatments? Five days a week. They do it Monday through Friday. Uh, they missed one treatment on Good Friday because they were closed. But they normally, they do Monday. And I go in and the treatments from preparation to completion is about 10 minutes. You know, you go in, you have to have a full bladder and an empty rectum because any gas or stool, anything in the rectum will cause interference with the beam. Hmm. 
hmm. and cause it to deflect. And what they don't want you that what they used to do is they don't want that they don't do now. They would hit other organs. They hit your bladder. Uh, they they affect a small part of your colon or rectum, but that that's unavoidable. But it's temporary. It heals. And so I hadn't had any major problems from that. They keep an eye every Wednesday. I see the doctor and they want to know uh, how, how's it going with bowel movements? How's it going with, are you having any trouble with symptoms? Are you having trouble urinating? Uh, and you do because you, you're irritating the prostate and it swells. So they had to put me on Flomax. I don't like to take medicine, yeah. but they do that. And I'll tell you that's helped. And taking a leave, taking one to leave every day has helped a lot. One of the doctors, she said, a leave helps with swelling and other irritation caused by the beam or the treatment. And she is right. And, uh, but anyway, um, they, they want your bladder full because when your bladder is full, it pulls all the other organs up out of the way. So that way nothing gets hit that doesn't need to, that can be moved. They, I have to drink, I drink a 24 ounces of water and a full cup of coffee and that's enough. And they want you where you've got to go to the bathroom bad. And the, but you can't until they're finished. Because mm. if, if you're not, what the, the first thing they do when you, when you lay down on that table, they CAT scan your bladder and your rectum. And if, if you have, if your bladder is not full, they tell you they got, a, they got a water fountain, a nice filtered water fountain. They take you and they got big cups. They say, drink three of those and sit there for a minute until you got to go. And then let us know and we'll bring you back in. I've done that once. Didn't want to ever do it again. Wow. And they also tell you to take uh, gas X because mm -hmm. gas X will help prevent gas and it'll help you. And I've, I've had one problem from that so far, mm -hmm. but it's really awesome. The first thing they do is, is cat scan. And then they turn the machine on. And like I said, it pay, I, the little buzzer comes on and I see the in use light on and they have a big thick door. that's about a foot thick. And I have a friend that used to be a member here, Tim Bice. He and I were talking about it the other night. He said, yeah, I put, I, I've uh, put some of those machines in a clinic before. He said, I can tell you that wall's got about a foot of concrete and lead in it. And he said, uh, and the ceiling tiles have got lead. He said, those doors are thick. And he said, those machines, uh, we were talking about it. And I said, well, what about a CAT scan machine or a, a MRI machine? I've heard they have to quench them. He said, yeah, they use liquid helium. He said, it's 60,000 bucks. And I'm like, Ooh, yep. Too wow. rich for my blood. But anyway, this, this thing, has not these, these ladies, these young ladies, I mean, I'm old enough to be their dad, but you know, I'm finding that as I get older, I'm old enough to be most people's dad yeah. mm -hmm. and it's okay. I've gotten to an age where I accept that. That's <laughs> it. That's just a fact of my life, but I'm really grateful because, uh, that they have really been, they, they were, they've been very kind. Cause you have to, another thing too, if you have, if you're modest, well, you're going to have to let your modesty go in here because you have to, pull your pants down to your ankles. They have a special form you lay your legs in and they move you and they have a laser all uh, this, uh, vertical and horizontal that they line you up and they have two little permanent markers on your hips and they line you up because they have to get this right and you cannot move while they're treating you. Mm -hmm. That Because that, that beam will burn you severely if you yeah. do. But uh, they put your pants down to your ankles, they pull your shirt up, you have to take all your phone, page, or anything you've got that's electronic on you. They they usually make you take it off, mm -hmm. and uh, so it it uh, every day. And I have to take your shoes off. I don't. I ask one of them, "Why do I have to take my shoes off?" And it's some one of the doctors had a requirement. Something happened with a patient years back, 
and the doctors required that no, you got to take your shoes off, leave your socks on, but you got to take your shoes off. They well, cover you with a napkin. Yeah, and, and you're talking about this is very sensitive for for oh, men in particular. It is and very sensitive. I think that's why men put off doing their PSA. Yes. Um, and so I think this is really good. Mm -hmm. But I want to back up to mm -hmm. um, okay, you got the diagnosis, mm -hmm. and you're in your car. You said you broke down. Mm -hmm. What has what has has it been like an emotional roller coaster for you through this? Or, or tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about the emotional. No, it actually hasn't because of the support I have from my friends and family. Knowing people are praying for me. I'm not going to tell you that it ha I haven't had moments where it scared me. But pretty much from that, once that once I accepted that this is, I got to do this. It's treatable. It's unavoidable. I can avoid it. But in 10 to 15 years, I'm going to have to deal with it anyway. And so why not deal with it? When they, and this is just kind of the, personally the way I work. Once I accept it, it's like, got to do it. I can't avoid it. Got to do it. And it is very embarrassing for men because, you know, the young ladies, x-ray techs, you know, they have to see me there naked, practically naked. And it's like, that's not always comfortable, but it's like, you know what? Which would be more uncomfortable? To be sick? Dying? Uh, you know, and, and it's not, uh, it's not, um, it's it's part of my treatment. I have to accept that. And I and I, I tend to I tend to be that way. It's like, okay, you know, this is part of my treatment. I gotta do it. There's no avoiding it. So just just do it. And it doesn't take very long. So you you accepted this. Yes. Did did you go through any of the stages of grief or did you immediately go to acceptance? No, I didn't really go through. I, I've thought about that a lot. I haven't really accepted grief because I really didn't lose anything. It wasn't so far, I mean, the biggest change has been some of the symptoms. Other than that, I've had no I haven't been tired. The Flomax makes me tired and makes me sleepy. They said that the treatments can make you sleepy sometimes. They can make you real tired. I haven't really experienced a dip in energy. And uh, there's a guy. He is one of the most awesome people. He's he's 60 years old. He's just started treatment. And he his name is Carl. And he everybody there loves him. Uh, I can see why, because he's so, everyone else says, hey, Howie, how's it going? And I said, hey, Carl, we, we come in about the same time. And, and they can do two of us at the same time in the treatment. They got two different treatment rooms. Mm -hmm. And he'll be in one room and I'll be in the other. But he is he is one of the nicest. He's got the best attitude. And, you know, I believe like my mother said, she said, give a person their flowers while they're alive because they're no good when they're dead. And, and I love that. My mother is so right the longer I live. And I, I told her, I said, Carl, I want to honor my mother. And honor you because I said your attitude because he comes in there. He's not just like overly bubbly. He's not, you know, but he's he's positive. He's he's he just he emits uh, uh, encouragement without saying a word. And it, and it's nice to see other people there and they have a support group. I haven't been to the support group. I don't personally need feel the need to, but some people might. Um, it's emotionally. uh I think if I'd waited longer, it would have been worse. I do. And, you know, there's been other, like I thought I had a hernia a couple of weeks ago and it turned out the beam, one of the, one of the uh, cords coming from one of my testicles, it irritated the beam. The doctor checked me because it scared me because you know, the old turn your head and cough. Mm. And I was like, that's a hernia. And I, I would, I was coughing. I, I got a little respiratory infection or re respiratory thing going on from all the pollen and I started coughing, it started hurting. I was like, Oh, that ain't good. And I'm also one of those people, my body says, Hey, look at this. 
So the next morning I went in, I asked to see the doctor. He examined me. He said, no, you don't have a hernia. He said, what you've got is irritation. He, he took his, like a doctor does, he took his diagrams out and explained it to me. Uh, and that's another thing I, that's really helped me is knowing, having the knowledge of what's going, what they're doing to me and, and what the, these side effects, the doctors being confident to explain it. They've been there before. Do you ask a lot of questions? I do. And I, I'm one of those people. I want to know what you're doing. I don't, mm -hmm. don't try to, don't try to fake me out because that doesn't make my confidence. I, I'm one of those people. If you say, Oh, don't worry about that. That does not make me not worry about it. In fact, that makes me worry about it more because then I start thinking, okay, what are you hiding from me? Mm -hmm. And I think anybody does. It's a, it's a human paradox. When you tell somebody, don't be sad. They're going to be more sad. Don't be down. Don't, don't worry about that. They're going to worry more. You don't stop somebody from worrying by, by telling them not to worry. In fact, it's called a paradoxical injunction. You, you, you will make them worry more because you'll make them more aware of what they're worried about. Or if you just leave them alone and, and Hey, go with it, not against it. Mm -hmm. So like the old Chinese uh, finger trap. You ever, you ever play with mm -hmm. one of those? We played with one. Robin had to cut it off my fingers because my fingertips were turning purple and I couldn't oh, wow. get my fingers out oh, and it my. scared me. And I knew how it was going to end <laughs> up, but, but anyway, well, so speaking of Robin, how, how, how has she been through all this? She has been a trooper. And I'll tell you something. There's, there's two people in my life right now that have been really monumental with this. And that's Robin. She has been monumental with this. She has been, she's went any doctor visit, just uh, most of my doctor visits she's been to. There's been some of them. I don't need like every Wednesday morning. I don't need her to be there. I can, that's just kind of a check-in, but the major ones where we're going to make treatment decisions and all that, she has been there. And I really appreciate that. And the doctor even noted it. He said, I love it when wives will come in because he said, I, I like to be able to talk to both. And I'm thinking, now he's thinking like a family therapist. <laughs> he wants to talk to both instead of trying to just talk to the, the husband or the, and, and, and then it's going to get to her. Uh -huh. Well, it's not the same thing. And, and, and then let, I wanted her to be able to ask any questions and she had some concerns and she addressed them with the doctor mm. and uh, like, will, will he be radioactive outside of the treatment? You know, that mm. sounds kind of hokey or goofy, but it's like, that's a legitimate question. Right. Like, you know, if, you know, um, you know, will you know, one of the questions is, is will there be, you know, will you be radioactive and spread that radio radiation to your wife during sex? It's like, no. You won't. The radiation is only while you're being treated. Mm. You don't have any residual radiation whatsoever, mm -hmm. but they can't give it all to you at once. It'd kill you. Right. He told me, he said, if we, the one of the oncologists told me, he said, he said, if you, if we gave you this whole dose of radiation over 44 treatments all at once, he'd kill you. Mm. It'd be more than your body could handle. So I was like, wow. okay, but she has been, and my cousin Leanne, uh, she is like my little sister, like one of my little sisters. Our mothers are sisters. My aunt, her, her mother's my aunt Pat, mom's oldest sister. And so she, I, I, I talk to her twice a week when I'm going to treatment, actually on the phone, mm -hmm. make technology work for us. Mm -hmm. And I really, I love it. And she has been a godsend. Yeah. It's been very healing to be able to talk to her and, and, you know, any worries I have, I share them with Robin. I don't want to keep Robin. I, I think one of the things is we guys, sometimes we get macho and we want to, I got to take it on and I got to keep it from my wife. Well, if she knows you, like most wives know their husbands, she's going to be sensing it and she, and it's going to hurt her if she, if you don't share it with her because she knows you're struggling, but she knows she can't make you share it. Mm -hmm. And so being able to talk, so, you know, this really worries me. 
because we think, well, if I tell her I'm worried, she'll get worried and everything will just spiral out of control. Maybe, but m more than likely, she'll be able to be supportive of you and helpful to you. And, yeah. and, and you have to tell, we have to tell our spouses, what do you need? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't need you calling me every 10 minutes to ask me how I'm feeling, right. or I do need you to do that. Mm -hmm. It may go either way. So if I heard you correctly, mm -hmm. you, you mentioned you have minimal side effects, mm -hmm. physical effects. Yes, minimal physical. Because I think that's a big concern for men when they deal with anything with the prostate. Yes. Well, see, one of the oncologists told me at first, he and he was different than the other two, that uh, it'll, it'll kill your prostate. It'll do the same thing as removing it. Well, that kind of freaked me out a little bit. I was like, what oh, the? My. I haven't had any of that. And and one of the other ones said, no, it's not going to. It's going to. One thing, one of the other ones told me, she said that the, uh, we don't know why, but about a year to 18 months, 12 to 18 months after radiation, for some reason, some of the nerves around the prostate build up scar tissue and it can cause ED, ED problems, mm. erectile problems. Mm -hmm. She said, we don't know why. And it doesn't mm. always do it with every man, but she said, most men do that. And she said, we have pills for that, but she said, we don't know why that scar tissue forms a year to a year and a half later. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things where cost and benefit, you're going to, are you going to let it go and risk it will kill you cruelly later or risk something that can be treated now? And I'm right. sorry. I'm just one, I'm practical. I'm pragmatic. It's like, you know what? I want to live. You know, and I, I can't, it hadn't affected my quality of life. In fact, it's given me more quality of life knowing that I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And they have a cool thing next, next Friday when I take my last treatment, they have a bell in the waiting room, mm -hmm. in the, in the, in one of the back rooms, in the, in the back waiting room, you ring it three times and you get a shirt. I love it. And I'm wearing my shirt to work. I love next it. Next Friday, we get, we have casual day mm -hmm. and I'm wearing my shirt to work. And you should. And I'm going to proudly. And I, I'm gonna bring them a. I'm gonna bring them some treats. They are such sweet. They're 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 nice young ladies. It's funny how you, when you when you're going through treatment, that's a pretty intimate thing. Mm. I mean, it's prostate, but it's intimate. These little these young ladies, you know, you get to know a little bit about their lives. They'll be talking about things, and I'm one of those people. I told them, and I apologized in advance that my dad voice might come out. I said, I'm sorry, y'all are old enough to be my daughters. Mm -hmm. I said, I, I, I'm going to treat you like my daughters, not try to be too fatherly. But if, if my dad voice slips out, I apologize in advance. And one of them laughed. She said, oh, we don't mind. I wish my dad was more like you. And I'm like, okay, all right. Now that's just <laughs> no, no bragging. Well, let's, uh, let's, uh, I'm curious mm -hmm. uh, we've talked about the physical, the emotional. Mm -hmm. um, what about spiritual? How's this? Uh, how's your faith impacted you? I'm gonna tell you that right there has been the one that ties the other two together, because I'm gonna tell you something. It's very when you get the C word. And I had a friend of mine that he had 93 bone lesions, and I told him, I said, I said, I'm, I, I, my cancer's not as bad as yours, and without just flat out, he said, he said, Howie, cancer is cancer. Mm. Just it's just where it's at in the body. So you've had cancer. You, it may not have been as bad as mine, but it's still cancer. And he's and so it's if my spiritual life. I mean, it's made me appreciate my blessings. Let me tell you something. It's almost a kind of a version of like that song by Tim McGraw, "Live Like You Were Dying." Mm. I don't want to go out and ride a bull or jump out of a plane, but it's made me. It's made my life sweeter, and it's made me realize 
how important front porch sittings with my wife are mm. and just sitting there and enjoying the cool breeze or enjoying the quiet contemplation or quiet conversation yeah and being able to sit there with her and just have that time things that when i was younger i i kind of took for granted it's kind of it's kind of a way of a wake-up call mm -hmm. and god has been very good to me because my symptoms but not but the support I've had, uh, I see his hand and all of that. It's made my faith stronger, mm. a lot stronger, and it's refined my faith. I think we need struggles, good conflict too, to be able to refine. It's the refiner's fire. Mm -hmm. All the struggles, we, if we avoid them, we're, we're not going to be refined. Speaking of faith, did you ever at any point think, you know, why God are you letting me do this? I'm I'm a good man. I'm a good husband, father. Or I worship you. I'm involved. Uh, you know, did you ever question that at all? I didn't question that, but that's a normal question. That is a completely normal question. Why me? Why did you do this to me? God would also be a normal question. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you're questioning God, uh, your faith. That means you're quite, and, and it's okay to question God like that. It's okay to even get angry with God. Mm -hmm. He gave us that emotion. And, you know, I love your picture up there. I have that picture where Jesus is, his hands are through the guys on, under his arms and he's got a hammer in one hand and nails in the other. I love that. Yeah, he's holding up the man. Who, he's holding up the man. Yeah. He's behind, And he never leaves us. Yeah. Footprints is also the one that's got me, make, thinks, makes me think of my journey in this. Because, uh, you know, that whole thing about, you know, we tend to think, well, God, you know, during the hardest times of my life, you know, you left me. There are, there's only one set of footprints. And I love how Jesus responds where he says, my dear child, he said, I love you very much. I would never leave you. When the times when you see only one set of footprints, those are not yours. Those are mine because I'm carrying you. Yeah. I love that. And that, that things like that have become more, have become sweeter to me through this journey because it makes me realize, and it's made me think about the people in my life and the moments because you know what? I don't, I don't need, or I don't have to have much. Mm -hmm. I've been, I've been richly blessed. I am richly blessed in my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, but anyway, this, this is things like this have made me, make me, I, I, this is the first serious health crisis I've ever had. And I'm very, I feel very fortunate and very blessed to say that both my parents were sickly most of my life. Mm -hmm. But, but I had, this is the first one and boy, to make it to 52, 51, 52, you know, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty good. That is, so. you know, we have a, a, about three and a half minutes left. Um, what would you say to, to men out there right now about this? Don't put off having regular, especially if you're over, I think the criteria is 45 or 50. Don't. Taking a PSA level is so easy. You can get that done uh, by your regular physician. But if you have a family history of prostate trouble and you have some yourself, if you've noticed some discomfort down there, you've noticed that sometimes uh, it hurts to urinate or whatever, see a urologist. Uh, and it's because there's plenty of them. Uh, my group is regional urology. I recommend them because, you know, I, I love how they, uh, my doctor is, he's just, she's straight with me. No, no cutting it, no, no sugarcoating it, mm -hmm. but get yourself, get regular after a certain age, get regular screenings. 
don't put it off. Uh, the longer you put it off, the more painful it could be. And, uh, and, you know, talk to your doctor, get a doctor that you trust, trust their opinion. You trust that they listen to you. I don't like dealing with medical professionals that don't listen. I don't know the medical terms, but I know me and I know when something is not right with me. And I try real hard to pay attention when something's not right. Listen to your body is the other thing I'd tell you. If your body's telling you something's wrong, you know, discomfort and pain are God's way of our body saying, Hey, Hey, something's not right here. So. Yeah. That's great counsel. And, uh, how I, I appreciate how transparent and open you are because we I, gotta I think, be that way. I think people have questions, particularly men. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when we have an opportunity to hear a firsthand mm -hmm. account of this mm -hmm. and it's a very, it is a very treatable form of cancer. Very. And so, but like you said, don't put it off, no. go get your uh, regular screenings, yes. get connected with a urologist. Yes. Uh, great. And they, and, uh, and being able to talk about it, being able to, I, I will answer any question anybody has. I do not. Uh, I might even make somebody blush, not trying to make them blush, but I am that we got to be that blunt about it hmm. and not, not sugarcoat. And we, we gotta, we gotta, tell it like it is or do our best to. And you always do a good job at telling it like it is. Howie. I hope so, so. Thank you so much for coming back on, on the show today. And uh, thanks for having me. I man. look forward to future episodes uh, where we, we talk uh, more about the, the, the things in your wheelhouse, but right now oh, yeah. with you going through this, um, it means a lot that, um, that you're sharing. So thank you. You're welcome. Hope to talk some more about good conflict. <laughs> Thanks, Howie. Mm -hmm. Remember, you, everybody, new episodes drop every Tuesday, and uh, we'll see you next time. So a quick update on Howie's radiation. On May 7th, that was a Friday, Howie finished his last radiation treatment. He's doing great. He got to ring the bell saying that he had completed cancer treatment. So we are so excited that Howie has made it through these treatments and is doing well. Remember, it's important to go get checked by your doctor. Stay on top of that so we can win more battles. I appreciate Howie's transparency. I'll see you next time.